0: Um, last week, we finished up a series on uh, Elijah, and it kind of got got me going down a train of thinking for a moment. When we got to talking about um, Elijah and the whirlwind and the chariot and the angels and all that kind of thing, and so this week, I kind of started looking at the Christmas story from the perspective of the angels. Um and actually, in the Christmas story, there are four events that we know of that angels are involved. In. Okay? Um, one is actually pre-Christmas story. It's the story of John the Baptist where the angel comes to Zacharias when he's in the temple and says, you're going to have a child. And he goes, whoa, 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 that ain't happening. You know how old my wife is? That's not the kind of thing you want to tell God <laughs> okay? or an angel, but he did. And the angel said, well, because of your disbelief, basically, you know what? You're going to go through your wife's pregnancy for nine months, and you ain't going to be able to say a word. That would have been really tough. Can you imagine your wife being pregnant for nine months, and you can't say a word? Uh, but that's the story. And John the Baptist is born, and they say, what, should we name the child? And uh, for the first time, John's able to speak, and he goes, call him John, man. I've got, got nine months' worth of stuff to talk about. Uh, and uh, that's the first issue of the angel. And then the second is when he comes to Mary. Uh, the third is when he comes to, Gabriel actually comes to Joseph. And we're going to talk about those two today. And then next week we're going to talk about when the angel comes to the shepherds. Um, some believe there's a fifth. Some believe that the star that led the wise men was also kind of an angel thing. And um, But since the scripture's not super clear on that, we're not going to assume that. So... Um, but it's very, very clear on the story of Mary and Joseph and the shepherd. So that's where we're going to go for the next two weeks. Let's look this morning at, at the first one in relationship to Mary. So here's the story. Uh, it's on the screen. Um, oh, no. I forgot to do this. Uh-oh. You know how to do this, Cole? All right. Okay. I'm going to try to. Oh, look. Okay, You've got to hang on a second. Uh, I forgot one thing. good i could have made you get out a bible and everything um, yeah you know those are those books that we read during the week uh, <coughs> here we go uh, you know you get dependent on this stuff it's kind of hard but anyway uh one of the reasons i do this so we're all looking at the same verse because there's so many different versions out there if i read from one then it's like everybody's gotta get the same one or da, da, da. so uh this way we can all read the same thing here's what it says in a sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Often you will see this. When people come see angels in the Bible, they get scared. And one of the first things that angels always say is, look, don't be afraid. This is okay. Okay, Remember, shepherds, fear not for I bring you good. Okay, uh, So it's kind of a common thing. He says, you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Okay? Mary said, now how's this going to happen? Because I'm a virgin. I don't get the concept here. Going on. And he says, oh, we got it? Did it go to the, oh, there we go. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you with power of the Most High and overshadow you. Oh, we could spend all day on that little phrase, overshadow you. We'll talk about it briefly in a second. So the Holy One will be born. He will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, that's John the Baptist's mom, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Notice Mary's answer. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel leaves her. Now, uh, let's talk about Mary. Let's understand something. Mary is from where? Help me out. Nazareth. Anybody know where Nazareth is? Okay, Jerusalem is like here. Dead Sea is like here. Galilee is like here. Nazareth is up there. Now, here's why that's significant. Nazareth is a Galilean city. Jews from Galilee were not looked at as Jew Jews. You're never going to be able to eat another one of those and think about that the same. Uh, everybody's going, Juji fruit. Yeah, I remember those. The kids are in here going, what in the world is he talking about? Okay. Uh, true Orthodox diehard Jews would be living where? Jerusalem. You can't get any closer to the temple than Jerusalem. That's where the temple is. So really, truly devout, solid, sold out, 100% Jews, they're in Jerusalem. So if Jesus is going to be born, where is he probably going to be born at? Jerusalem. God picks Nazareth. Nazareth is a Galilean city. Now here's the problem with with diehard Jews. Guess who diehard Jews only associated with? Diehard Jews. Because they didn't want to contaminate themselves with a Gentile. They had nothing to do with Gentile. They wanted nothing to do. It was kind of like extreme Amish people that don't have anything to do. They don't want to touch the outside world in any way, shape, or form. Um, We would almost say cult-like at times. And it was kind of like the Jews, the really super devout, dedicated kind of Jews, they didn't want anything. So the leaders who were those kinds of people wanted nothing to do with people who didn't believe like that. The Galilean Jews, because Rome was, did a lot up in that area, worked very closely with Gentiles and Jews. In fact, just outside of Nazareth, there was a there was a major building project going on at the time. Joseph was probably working up there. Um, at that major building project, you would have had Jews, you would have had Gentiles, you would have had Romans, you would have had people from other nationalities. Everybody has been working together. And so for a Jew to work with those kinds of people, oh, we don't want anything to do with them. So when God chooses a, we would say a child, because in all real in all realism, Mary was probably a teenager at best. Okay, Most kids got married by 14 were married in this culture. Um, And so in that scenario, Mary would have been fairly young, um, probably a teenager. And God says, that's the woman, that's the young lady, that's the the person who's going to birth the Savior. And he picks somebody not from Jerusalem, but from Nazareth, an out-of-the-way place that the Jews were going to have a very difficult time. Remember at Pentecost? One of the things that they say is, "These guys are Galileans. How in the world do they can they can they talk like this? They're unlearned Galileans. We don't learn. We don't get this." So you have her coming from there. She is engaged. We know. Now, engagement then was different than engagement now. Engagement today in our culture, here's what we do: a couple dates for a while, then they get engaged, and the engagement period is really a test. It's to find out should we get married, and it's not really settled until when as I always tell guys look we're about ready to walk out on that stage we're coming in this door (laughs) if you're going to run this is your last chance because once you say I do knots tied it's over you ain't getting out of it so I always tell them I say you know until because that's our culture you need to understand that in their culture that's not the way it was in their culture engagement was nine months usually nine months at least to a year year was typical two things happened during the engagement period. First of all, the engagement period during that time was as binding as a marriage. So in that culture, when you got engaged, it was really kind of like already the marriage. It's like, we are doing this. We are in this together. Um, and, And two things, two main things happened there. First thing that happened was, the guy had a lot to do. Because the guy, actually, his responsibility was to go and make a home for his wife. Often, he would build on to his dad's house But he would have to already have the house built. He would already have to have everything designed. When the house got built, when it was all ready, then he would go and get the bride. Okay, And so you could say she came when the house was finished. But for some of you, you would still not be married. Um, (laughs) The house is never finished. Um, But when he got his thing done... When he got his thing done, then he would go and he would get her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some couples should just not sit together during church. So anyway, yeah. (laughs) yeah. So anyway, so that's what would happen. On her end of it, here's what it was it was to make sure that she was still pure. It was to because it was a test. And it was it was a way to maintain her purity, because nine months you knew one way or the other. And so, in this situation, what happens is they're engaged. This is a done deal, pretty much. He's like building his house thing. She's like doing her thing. And an angel comes in and says, Look, you're going ha- to have a kid. And she goes, Okay. Now, I got a question. Because I'm pretty good at biology. How's that going to happen? And he says, Let me explain to you what's going to happen is you're going to have a child from God. And this is going to be a child unlike any child you have ever seen. You remember when I read in a passage about the, the, that God overshadowed her? In the book of Hebrews, it talks about this idea of God preparing a body for Jesus. Literally, the idea in Hebrew is this. Just as God in the Old Testament overshadowed the Holy of Holies and dwelt there, In essence, he was going to take the womb of Mary and it was going to become the Holy of Holies for God. It's literally the concept that God is going to take and create within Mary a Holy of Holies for God to dwell and to develop as a child. And here's what I, you know, as you look at this story and you try to understand it, we lose it because, you know, we're so familiar with the story. Here's a question. Who's going to believe her? Here's a girl who was chosen because she had made the right call. She had done the right thing. She had honored God. She had kept herself pure. She had done all of the things to honor God with her life. And now God steps in and says, oh, by the way, you're going to have a child. And her world was turned upside down. Everything that she had worked for was going to be thrown out the window. Why? Because now, there's not a person in the world who's going to believe her. So now, she's going to go with this stigma. And by the way, Jesus is going to grow up with that stigma as well. That you were an illegitimate child. And in this culture, folks, man, that was really unacceptable. In this culture, that was like a death wish kind of thing. And then, what's her next question? What's Joseph going to do? What's Joseph do? But one of the things that you see with Mary is, what's her response? What's her response? Okay. If that's what you want, God, okay. Which tells me a lot about this woman. For her to be a teenager and have that kind of character, to have that graciousness and that humility to say, God, if that's what you want, I'm okay with it. But that's exactly what she says. That's exactly what she does. And he says, this child is going to be a king. He's going to have a kingdom that will never end. He's going to be a child that, that, from David's throne. This is God. And Mary looked at all of that and said, okay. Now that's the one side of the story. Now you have the Joseph side of the story. Listen to Matthew. Matthew talks about it from Joseph's perspective in the angel. Here's what happens to Matthew, or to Joseph. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be a child through the Holy Spirit. So Joseph hears about this. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he didn't mind divorce her quietly. Literally, to break an engagement was just like a divorce. You were considered divorced. If you had an engagement and you broke it off, you were considered divorced in the culture. Okay, Like I say an engagement at this culture was pretty much as binding as a marriage thing it was just a one year test period and he had to get the house done and then, then, then they were ready to get back to, to, to be married um, so he hears that he has she's got a kid on the way and he's saying well okay you know I really love this girl She's an incredible gal. I don't want to embarrass her. So let's just figure out how to do this thing quietly. Some people believe that what this passage means is that really what Joseph is saying here is, you know, she told me that this, this is from God. And I really don't want to be stepdad to God. I really don't want to raise a child who is God. And his idea was, you know, I'm, I don't know that I want to be in this thing. I don't think that's the case at all. Um, But for those of you who are parents, how about this one? Think about this for a minute. You're going to raise a child who absolutely is never wrong. And no, it was not either one of you two. Uh, But you're going to raise a child who did everything right. Everything right. You think parenting is tough today. Think of what these two people had to do. And, but Joseph here, he goes, look. He says, I don't, I don't, I'm just going to put her away quietly. We're going to do away with this thing and, and, and let her go her way. i will go do my thing. She can do her thing. And, and I'm not going to humiliate her. And sometimes they did in the divorce. Okay? And also, says? But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. So the angel reinforces what he's heard, already heard from Mary. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. One of the big issues in this culture was naming the child. Often a child was named after the father. Okay? Uh, you see that in the Herods, you see that in the Grippas. you see that in or Herods and Caesars. You, that, that was the culture of the time. So there was a big thing in naming your child after, your, after yourself or after your father or that kind of thing. Naming a child was a big, big decision. The Bible is explicit here, both to Mary and to Joseph, and it basically says, it's, it, the language is so explicit, it says, if we could phrase it today, you got no choice. This is what his name's going to be. Period. You better make sure you do this. I mean, it was really that clear to him, isn't it? And so it goes on, because he'll save people from their sins. And he, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. And this is a quote from Isaiah: "The virgin shall be with child, give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us." Talk about that in a second. And then he goes on to say this. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave the name Jesus. Um, liberals always like to attack the virgin birth, and you'll hear people say things like, well, oh, the word virgin in the Hebrew can mean young woman, and it doesn't necessarily mean virgin. Okay, look, I get so tired of liberals doing this kind of stuff. All right? For sake of argument, let's translate it, young woman. Did you read the last part of the verse? Okay. And it says, He had no union with her till she gave birth to her son. You know what we call that in my world? Virgin. Okay. So call it whatever you want, but the the point is that they maintained their purity. And that was very, very important. And so you have this story now where God comes to Joseph. and, And here's what I. Here's what I admire about this guy. Look at the patience of this guy. Because you know what? His world's going to turn upside down, too. What happens if he does marry her? Now what's everybody going to think? See? But you know what? He says, okay, God, if that's what you want, that's what I'll do. And his world turns upside down. I think it's unique. God chose a carpenter. Um... Carpenter, when you and I think of carpenter, we think of a somebody who works with what wood um, in this day and time, a carpenter had a much broader idea. Uh, it could have been a mason, it could have been somebody who worked with stone, it could have been somebody who worked with wood um, It, it, it kind of had this big, broader idea. A lot of historical data kind of comes to the idea that he was probably a mason. He probably worked with the idea of there was a there was a large building project going on within close proximity of Nazareth and so a lot of the people would travel back and forth and they believed that Joseph was probably one of those guys and their world is going to be turned upside down they're going to end up because of a census they're going to end up going to Bethlehem they're going to end up giving birth in a in a stable a manger you, you know the story and then Herod is going to become so incensed that there's another king he's going to, he's going to talk he's going to require that every child under the age of two male child be killed. I mean, you know, you've seen our our national response to what's happened in the last week. Herod at Christmas time, fairly close thereafter, within a year or so, demands that every male child under two be executed. Much like Pharaoh had done earlier in the life of Moses. So, you know, even this story is surrounded with with, with grief. And so you have this story where the angel comes to him and Joseph says what? Okay. Okay. If that's what you want, God, I'm okay with it, And I'll do what you want. A couple lessons for us. First of all, there's a lesson here, I think, in Mary. And you see who God chose. He chose a young lady that was full of grace and humility you don't see if you study the life of Mary here's what you'll find Mary is the same before the birth of Christ at the birth of Christ after the birth of Christ this doesn't rattle her world at all she has this humility that says if that's what God wants okay she doesn't get proud and egotistical about you know well I'm the mother of Jesus doesn't. She just goes about her world. Why? Because God knew when he chose the woman, she had to be an incredible woman. She had to be somebody with grace, strength, that could handle heartache, that could handle difficulty. This is a mother who's going to see her son hanging on a cross. This was an incredible woman. And God said, you know what? I need a very special kind of woman who can handle this. And what amazes me is that God comes to her at a teenager, as a teenager she had developed that kind of stuff what were you doing at 13, 14, 15 what kind of person were you this was, a, this was a very very special lady and God said you know what, I'm going to choose her she's from this backwoods country Nazarene, Galilee kind of place but she's my, he, she's my choice and I'm going to take her womb and I'm going to create a holy of holies there and I'm going to put God in that. And then you have Joseph who's a hardworking carpenter, um, typical, average, everyday worker. And by the way, what are these people doing when God calls them? It's whatever they're supposed to do. Because that's who God uses. See, you learn in this passage who God uses. God says, look, you do your job. You do what you're supposed to do. You be a person of grace, of humility, of patience. Let me tell you something. I I could use you. It's not like you have to go to some fancy school. You have to, like, be a Christian for X number of years and and have all of this great big pedigree behind you. God says, Noah, you know what? I'll take somebody who's got a heart that says, I will follow God no matter what. And Mary's one of those people. Joseph's one of those people. They say, God, you, anything you bring into my life, I'm going to follow you. And God says, well, we're going to put that to the test. And I'm going to bring something into your life. The man, you want to talk about fruit basket upset? You want to talk about turning your world upside down? You know what they say? God, if that's what you want, okay. And we talk about her today, and we talk about Joseph today, Because of the incredible strength that they had to follow God, and I think it's a lesson for us. You know, some of you you are—you know—you're. Unfortunately, you get the idea that you got to, you got to have this or this or this or this or this for God to use you. You just got to have a heart that says, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And God will say, Okay, here's some stuff for you to do. I don't think it's going to be anything at this level, but it might. If it is, fine. You just do what God wants you to do. So the reason my wife and I are here. That's why we got in the question. You know, and they said, you know, why did you come to Iowa? You know what my answer is? Same answer every time. God. I love you guys, but God's the only reason you come to Iowa. <laughs> um, when you're from Chicago and Detroit... The only reason you come to Iowa is because that's where God wants you. Now? I don't feel that way now. Now I'm like, God, don't take me from Iowa. But you know what? It's it, it's God who leads you where God wants you, and you let God do that, and it's amazing what God does. My wife and I feel like we are incredibly blessed to be here. And we love it. But if you would have told me when I was... 17 years old, that's what God had in mind? I'd have run like the wind. But you know what? God's will and his plan and his purposes are always, always best. Second thing I think you'll learn about this passage is this. It's not about Mary and Joseph. It's about Jesus. Over and over again you see the focus about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. His name's going to be called Jesus. He's going to save his people from his sin. His name's going to be called Emmanuel. Joseph is actually given the reason his name's Jesus, because he's going to save people from his sin. Because it's, it's God with us. And here's the thing that you learn. As you look at this, the focus is Jesus. The focus is this child. Because here's what God does. This is the beauty of Christmas. The beauty of Christmas is the fact that it represents to us the fact that God said, I am not just going to sit in heaven looking over my creation. I'm going to wrap myself in human flesh and walk among them. I'm going to show them what it looks like when God comes crashing into earth. I'm going to walk just like they walk. So God, who's the creator of the universe, says this. I'm not just going to create the process of birth. I'm going to experience it. I'm not going to just allow a child to learn to walk. I'm actually going to learn to walk. I'm going to learn what it means to come to the end of the day and be tired and need to sleep. I'm going to learn what it means to be able to go through and experience everything. I'm going to learn what it means to to, to be hungry. Come to the end of the day and go, man, I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight and pull up a rock. I'm going to learn what it means to suffer. I'm going to learn what it means to have people that you love and depend on turn their backs on you and run from you. I'm, not, I'm going to learn what it means to have pain. I'm going to learn what it means to suffer. And as God, I'm going to experience death. Because I want my creation to be able to come to me and I want them to know I understand. I get it. That's why one of the most perplexing verses in all the Bibles in Philippians where it says he learned obedience. He learned those things for us. And that's what the season's all about. And God said, I'm going to come in human flesh. I'm going to live a perfect life. I'm going to go all the way to the end of my life. And when I come to the end of my life, because I'm perfect, I don't have to die. But you know what? I'm going to choose to die. I'm going to volunteer to die. And you can take all of my goodness, all of my righteousness, and it's available to anybody who wants it. I'll offer it as a gift. I will take their place. And I will offer them a gift of eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John says it this way. These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. And this life, it's in his son. It's because of what Jesus did. And so, one of the things that you see is, that's what Christmas is all about. That God offers you a gift. I shared this at the funeral the other night. But, I don't know how you feel about gifts. Gifts are usually a big part of most Christmases. Okay, um, If I want to be stingy, I could say no gift Christmas. Um, but gifts are a big part of Christmas. I give and I get gifts, and it's a fun part of it. I enjoy it. I've learned there are a couple kind of gifts that you give. One is what I call like office party gifts. You know what that is? That's you run to the store at the last minute, grab something, take it to the party, and go, oh, yeah, here, I got a gift, the office party But the gifts that have a lot of value, tell me what those are. Those are gifts that you think about the person, you think about what they like, you know that person, you go and you pick it out, and you wrap it, and you look forward to Christmas Day when you give it to them, and they open it up, and you see the expression on their face, right? You know. Those of you who have kids, you know how exciting that is. Those of you who are grandparents, you know how great it is to get back at your kids and hand them like, give your grandkids like a, a, a tambourine or a drum set or, or some toy that makes noise that doesn't need batteries. You know, I mean, you know how much fun that is, okay? Where you pick out that gift, that's really, really special, unique gift. You know what I'm talking about. Gave some of you an idea, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, now you can get back at them for all those years. Uh, but anyway, um, I, I can't wait. can't wait for payday. Uh, anyway. Um, <clears throat> um, oh, what do you mean? You don't want him to have a drum set? Well, uh, anyway, here's the idea. The idea is that we put a lot of value in those in, in those gifts. I've had my wife's gift for almost now two months. I picked it out two months ago. I know she's going to love it. I know it's something that she doesn't know she's getting. I know that I know my wife enough to know when she opens it up, she is going to love it. And now that I've said this publicly, she has to. <laughs> uh, um, but no, I know she's going to love it. I know she's going to go, wow, I didn't know this was out there. I am really, wh- where did you find it? How did you know it? And I'm just going to be like the hero. I cannot wait until that day. Well, let me ask you something. I've already bought it. I've already paid for it. Um, I haven't wrapped it yet, but I got it all set. And on Christmas Day, actually, we're going to celebrate before Christmas. But on our Christmas, we're going to sit down and I'm going to give it to her, and it'll be the last gift that I want her to open. And I am looking forward to seeing her response. But what if we get to that moment? And my wife looks at the gift and she says, Wow, this is really wrapped nice. Did you think of this all stuff? Yeah. I don't want it, I don't want anything to do with it but honey, don't you know how much joy? You're going to enjoy this. You're going to love this. You, you, you want this gift. I'm telling you, open it up. And she goes, no, don't want it. And that $40,000 diamond ring <laughs> sits in a box in our house. Yeah, yeah, you have to be married to somebody else for that to happen. Uh, and that, and, that, and that gift sits in a box on a shelf day after day after day. And every time I'm saying, honey, please open it up. You're going to like it. No, no, no. And she rejects it every single day. What? I watch people do that every single day with Christ. It's a gift that literally has been paid for, bought. It'll change our lives. It'll bring It'll bring all kinds of peace and comfort and joy and hope and future and da-da-da-da. And people look at God and they look at the Christmas story and they say, Thanks, but I don't want it. That gift is not hers until she takes it, opens it, and receives it. Salvation is a gift offered to everyone, but it is not yours until you take it, open it, and receive it. And if you go through this whole Christmas as you have other Christmases and continue to reject it, at some point, you're going to take your last breath and have missed your last opportunity. So while you can, accept the gift that God offers you. That's what Christmas is all about. And God wrapped himself in human flesh, presented himself to a world on Christmas Day, and said, I'm here to really understand and to take your place and for those of you who are Christians this morning God might be bringing some tough things into your life respond with the grace humility and patience that you see in marriages it's not what you asked for it's not what you would plan God will still use it if you'll simply look at him and say, okay, God, it's going to be a rough road, but I'll follow you. I'm going to hang in there, and I'm going to trust you. And today, there's not a person around that doesn't know the story of Mary and Joseph. But it started with two people who are willing to say to God, yes. You know what? That's all God wants from us. Let's pray. Lord